Hey everyone, so pumped to be back with you again this week online. Usually I'm the one doing the welcome, but you guys just got to hang out with Austin for a second. He kicked it over to me. Uh, I'm really excited to be with you guys and really excited to have an opportunity to preach through this series at First Peter, Living as Exiles. And, and that's what we talked about last week, right? We talked about how this world's not our home and we're foreigners in this land and how uh, Peter's encouraging the people he's talking to to say, hey, uh, lean into that identity. That's okay. Here's what I want you to understand about that identity. Here's what I want you to understand about who you are uh, and just gives them a ton of encouragement. It's a really good conversation we got to have last week. And this week, we're going to have a really good conversation too. We're sticking in the same book, uh, just a couple verses down, and we're going to kind of flesh this out and ask ourselves some questions. But before we dive into that, I want to let you in on a little bit of my personal life. I want to let you know uh, about the love life that A.J. Stevens experienced when he was just a young guy in college. But the good news is, um, at the end of this story, you don't have to feel bad for me because uh, the, the young woman I'm going to talk about is currently my wife. So it all ends up working out. But uh, the conversation we're going to have today is centered around the idea of hope. And when I think of hope in, in the, the worldly sense, when I think of hope in the sense that we normally throw that term out there, um, and then I think about how it contrasts to the biblical hope, and I kind of think of an example of moments in my life where I had a lot of that practical worldly hope, uh, I think of this situation in particular with my wife. And uh, Katie and I were dating in college. We were just a couple of young uh, 20-something-year-olds. And I remember kind of really liking this girl and, and not wanting to get too attached too quick because we're in college and because you just never really know where those things go when you're kind of younger. Um, and, and then realized rather quickly my feelings were growing fast. And I really started to like this girl. And I knew that I was going to build up the courage and I was going to tell her something uh, really important. Those three words um, that, that when you hear from somebody can either make or break a relationship. And I told myself going into this conversation, uh, I mean, we're going to go on a date, we're going to hang out, I'm going to tell her this, and uh, I'm not going to have an expectation. Um, I'm just going to be okay with wherever this lands. But if I'm honest, I was super hopeful for a specific response, right? I was hopeful that I was going to hear those three words back. And, and as the conversation unfolds and I get the courage and, the, and I muster this up um, and I say, hey, there's something I've been meaning to tell you. I just really want you to know that I love you. And at this point, we're not super far in the relationship, but I'm confident that this is absolutely uh, a girl that I would be thrilled to, to marry, to be with for the rest of my life. She is, uh, far exceeds any expectations I had. And if you know me and you know her, you know I outkick my coverage uh, pretty good. And so I tell her that, um, and I tell myself, hey, have no expectations once you deliver that message. And regardless of uh, how little expectations I tried to have, the little bit of hope I tried to push to the side, um, I still had expectations. I still had a hope that I would hear that back. And what I realized was when she didn't say it back, that I was devastated. I was crushed um, because I wanted her to feel the same way and I wanted her to confidently feel the same way. Now, um, for those young listeners out there, uh, that's a good lesson for you. She probably did the right thing. If she was not confident that that's how she felt, it was probably good for her to hold those words until she was confident that's how she felt, right? Uh, the situation gets a lot stickier when you say it, you don't mean it, uh, and we get down the road and you realize, wow, I made a mistake. So uh, for those young listeners, A, you can have some, some, some faith in, in the confidence that I had. Have some courage. Do those things. Uh, be confident, um, but try not to have um, a, a hope like that because you may not hear it back. And if you're the, you're the young one in that relationship or you're the other one in that relationship, don't feel bad if you don't say it back when you're not sure. There's a little bit of free marriage dating advice maybe. Um, but I had a hope and, and my hope was in the wrong thing. My hope was in a circumstance. So if I was being honest, really and truly, my hope was wishful thinking. 
I was wishfully thinking that I was going to hear those things back because that hope that I had, the hope that we often throw around in our culture, our world, uh, is based on circumstances, it's based on outcomes, it's based on things that we want to happen that haven't happened yet. Uh, And so when we talk about hope, we really see a lot different kind of hope than we see from the passage today. The hope word that we throw around a lot really is not centered or grounded in the same thing uh, that Peter's going to talk about when he talks about hope today. In fact, there's a pretty big difference between the hope that I had in that moment, the hope that we often have, that wishful thinking, uh, and the hope that Peter uses. The distinctive meaning of hope in Scripture is almost the exact opposite of our ordinary usage, right? Ordinarily, when we express that hope, we're uh, expressing uncertainty, but this is not the biblical meaning of that word hope. As we read through this passage today, what you're going to see is that the biblical hope isn't just a desire for something good in the future, but instead that biblical hope is a confident expectation and desire for something good in the future. So we're not, we're not just uh, hoping those things happen. We're not just wishfully thinking, but we are confidently expecting those things to happen uh, when we read that word in the Bible. That's what those people are doing when they talk about hope. It not only desires something good for the future, but it expects it to happen. It not only expects it to happen, but it's confident that it will happen. There's a moral certainty that the good we expect and desire will be done. That's completely different. I had, I had no expectations. I didn't know what to expect in that moment with Katie, right? But in the biblical sense, when we see these, these authors and we see these people talk about the word hope, it's an utter confidence where they don't have to wonder what the outcome's going to be. They know confidently what the outcome's going to be. They have expectations, uh, not, not concerns. They have expectations, not thoughts. And that's just completely different kind of from the culture that we live in. And maybe, maybe you have been in similar situations with the term hope. Maybe as you think back on moments in your life where you were like, man, I'm really full of hope in this moment. I've got hope uh, for this thing that you realize, man, my hope was really in a lot of circumstantial outcomes. And let me give you a couple examples. Uh, for you Braves fans out there, you guys are in the playoffs. That's a big deal, especially if you guys saw yourselves halfway through the season. I didn't think you'd be here. You probably didn't think you'd be here. Um, but at this point, you are hopeful that you guys win the series. That's pretty cool. Um, but ultimately, you have no confident expectation that will happen because there's other variables at play, Right? Uh, for you farmers, because we have a lot of farmers in this part of the world, or for those of you who just hate how dry your dirt road is right now because you got razorbacks everywhere, um, you hope it rains today, right? But you can't control that. You have no expectations. You can listen to the weatherman, but they have the one job in the world where they're allowed to be right 50% of the time and still keep their job, right? And so you hope it rains, but you have no real expectations or certainty on the outcome of that. Um, or, or maybe this phrase, a good tailwind's our only hope of arriving on time, Right? We got a hope for arriving on time, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to depend on some outside circumstances that are really out of our control, uh, or maybe it gets a little heavier for you. Maybe, maybe it's not those small things, but um, maybe it's, I, I really hope that person doesn't let me down. There's no expectation where you can confidently say it's not going to happen, right, because it's entirely dependent on them, right? And maybe it's, uh, I hope that me and my future spouse never have a bad day together, I hope that my future spouse doesn't become my ex-spouse. I hope, I hope all these situations around my life uh, don't go poorly, but that's not really a hope that we can be confident in because there's variables outside of our control. And that's completely different from the hope that we're gonna talk about. Maybe for you parents, here's one last one that you might resonate with. I'm, an, I'm a, a, a new parent of two kids. I was a two-year-old parent uh, of, of, a, of an older kid, um, but now we got two, and man, my hope is, in the sense that we use this word, my hope is that my kids grow up to be good citizens um, that know and love Jesus, but there are circumstances outside of my control where, where I can't have an utter confidence in that. And so uh, there's just these variables when we talk about hope, and it, it really honestly becomes more wishful thinking than anything. Even if we do everything in our power right, 
There's things and outside circumstances uh, that turn a hope in the biblical sense into a, man, this is really just me hoping for the best as opposed to hoping for an exact expected outcome, right? Which is exactly what we're going to see. And maybe as we have this conversation, uh, maybe this is a similar situation you found yourself in during the blessed series because we completely deconstructed that word and we completely uh, gave it a new meaning and we started to look at the word blessed in an entirely new light. And I know in the last couple weeks of my life, I'm looking at blessed, and every time I see it, I got red flags going up. Like, is that the right way? Do I need to be saying that right? Do I need to be hearing that different? And, and maybe this is going to be the same thing with the word hope today. Um, but really, the only way to know this is, is um, not with this craftiness and not with um, you know, our thoughts and opinions, but really the only way to know what this true hope is is to take a look at God's word and dive in to that. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, ultimately, I think when we try to find the answers to these hard questions, there's really only one place to go, um, the objective truth that is God's word. And so that's what we're going to do today. We're going to dive into that. Um, but before we go into that, there, if you know me, if, we'd have, if we have had any serious conversations, then there's something you know about me. And you know that I'm a pretty black and white person, and I really don't like situations that have margin to be gray situations, right? I'm a pretty black and white person, um, and, and I like black and white situations. And the beautiful part about me being a black and white person is uh, most of the time, the Bible is pretty black and white. And that's what we're going to see today with this conversation about hope. There are gray areas in the Bible, yes, but most of the time... Um, it's pretty black and white. And so I'm excited to dive into this conversation because around this black and white uh, conversation, around this word of hope, um, I, we're gonna kind of lay out a little bit of an argument. We're gonna kind of walk through it and see what happens on the other side of that argument. But um, if you have your Bible, we're gonna ask ourselves four questions today. If you have your Bible, we're gonna be in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, right where we left off last week. So uh, let's dive right into it. Here's what Peter says on the heels of what he said last week. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, cool, I get it, that makes, that makes sense at face value, but there's a question that comes out of it because we saw our word in there, hope, and, and it wasn't just by itself, it's actually called a living hope. And so the first question we're gonna pose today is this, what is living hope and where does that come from? What is living hope and where does that living hope come from? And so the first thing that we need to know about this biblical and real and living hope um, is that Peter calls it living. And, and so what we need to understand is that it's an active thing. It's not something that, that goes away and comes back and has the ebb and flow of life and we put on pause, but Peter's talking about a hope that is constantly active. Here's how a different translation uh, puts it. The CSV, it says that phrase, a hope that lives on. Unlike the empty hopes of this world, that living hope is energizing, it's alive, it's active in the soul of the believer. Because the other thing you saw in that passage is that this hope belongs to someone in, in particular. It belongs to the person that has put their faith in the resurrection of Jesus. And so another translation puts it this way. It says, it renders it, uh, we live with great expectation. And so it's, it's a great thing, it's an active thing, it's a live thing, it's a thing that we can constantly uh, have without wavering if we truly believe that main thing that follows it in that verse, that Jesus Christ has been resurrected from the dead. And, and that is such a huge part of this, right? Because when we talk about um, these principles that we want you guys to understand, when I read these principles that I want myself to understand, uh, and I realize, man, this is different from what I'm used to, this is different from what I've told myself um, in, my, in my fleshliness, in, in what the culture around me has been pouring into me, um, it's different. And what I have to remind myself is this, 
It's a conversation that we have with our students a lot too. It, to truly wrap our heads around these things, to truly wrap, around, uh, wrap our heads around these ideas, what you've got to understand, what I've got to understand at the end of the day is that when I open my Bible, this is not a fairy tale. This is not a made up uh, a book of imaginative things that are supposed to make me feel better. But what we've got are historical documents of things that actually happen. When I see this guy, Jesus, healing people, uh, coming back from the dead. I don't have to think, man, those are, those are maybe things that happen and so I can maybe believe them and, and just hold on to them when things get really hard. But no, these are things that actually happen and this is a real thing. And so my perspective should not be a temporary perspective, but it should be an every day, every minute, every hour perspective. And obviously we're gonna fight those things in our life. We're gonna, we're gonna fight the desire uh, to think otherwise and we're gonna fight the desire to think how culture thinks. But ultimately we've gotta get ourselves to that place that this was a guy who actually said he was going to come back from the dead, called his shot, and then did it, right? If that's true, and I believe it's true, uh, then I should start listening to just about everything uh, around this guy's life that, that involves itself with him, right? And so that's when we get to this conversation about living hope, and that's what Peter's saying. He says, hey, you can have a living hope because this guy is no longer dead. The guy that you serve, the God that you serve is real, he's tangible, and so this hope doesn't have to be temporary, it can be active, it can be constant, it can be great. And so that's the expectation we have. And so as we talk about this living hope, um, it enables us to live without that despair regardless of the trials that we come in contact with, right? It, does, it helps us shift our perspective away from how the world would deal with hard situations and lean into how Jesus tells us to deal with hard situations. And we're gonna kinda talk about that a little more toward the end and why it's so important um, to hold these things loosely. But here's a, here's a quote from a guy named John Piper. He's a, a pretty well-renowned pastor at this point and uh, honestly much smarter than I uh, maybe will ever be. But here's one of the quotes he has in regards to this conversation about living hope. He says this, living hope is hope that has power and produces changes in life. This is what living means in Hebrews 4.12, he says. He says, where it says the word of God is living and effective. So Christian hope is a strong confidence in God, which has the power to produce changes in how we live. It's a strong confidence in God. It's a strong confidence in the fact that Jesus is God. It's a strong confidence in the fact that the Jesus who is God is also the Jesus that came back from the dead and has given us something else to look forward to besides our circumstances, besides uh, the ebb and flow of life. And that's where we get living hope, constant hope, effective hope, right? Uh, because Jesus did what he said he was gonna do. And so Peter starts the conversation with them. He says, hey, you're exiles, but don't worry. Uh, your hope's not in this world anyway. It's not in how people treat you from last week. Your hope is in the resurrection of Jesus. And so now, guys, that we've gotten to square one, let's keep having the conversation. Um, and he keeps it going. He said, this isn't really all we know about Peter at this point because uh, he keeps the conversation going in verse four. And he says this, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So it kind of leads us into the second question. Uh, who is you? Is you me? Is this for me? Is this for uh, only Christians? Is this for just first century Christians? Who the heck is Peter talking to here? And how do I make this a little more relatable for me? And that leads us into that second question. Is this hope available to me? And if so, how do I get this hope? Because AJ, I'm not usually watching online. I really don't involve myself with the local church too often. And I hear these people talk about this relationship they have with Jesus. But, but the question I'm asking is, A, is this hope for me? Or B, could this hope be for me if it's not already? And so that's a really good question. It's a question I think we should all ask in light of uh, the conversation we just had about Jesus being uh, somebody who's real and resurrected from the dead. Um, but the answer is yes. 
That hope is made accessible to you because um, here's what happened. He talks about the resurrection from the dead up there in verse 3, but before Jesus um, resurrects, he dies. And the whole point of his death is to say, hey, you are imperfect. I am perfect. I'm the only uh, sufficient sacrifice for a holy God on behalf of you and your sinfulness. And so I know what I have to do. I have to be the sacrifice for you that you couldn't be for yourself. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die for your sins. And I'm going to make good on my word because if I just die, then I'm no different than anyone else in history. And so that's where the resurrection part becomes important. He says, I'm going to die for your sins, but I'm going to be a living sacrifice. I'm coming back to life to make good on my word. I'm going to, I'm going to satisfy the wrath of God for you so that you can live just like I live on the other side of that death. And then three days later, uh, he comes out. And that's how this hope, this grace is made accessible to us, right? Uh, This living hope is ours by grace through faith. When you look at some of Paul's letters, uh, one of Peter's buddies in the New Testament, um, in in Ephesians 2, he says that it's through faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's through you believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's through grace into an inheritance, right? Uh, A couple of months ago, we talked about adoption, and we know that uh, adoption and inheritance go hand in hand in this culture. And when you're adopted, you have no role in the process. You're strictly chosen, and when you're chosen by that family to be adopted, you get everything they have. And so you don't do anything to be adopted. You're chosen, and when you're chosen, you're granted everything that family has access to, and you're free from all the debts you had before. So you bring nothing to the table, but you get everything, and it's nothing that you could do. And he says, it's an inheritance. It's grace. You did nothing to deserve grace. You did nothing to insert yourself into this conversation. But here you go. You've got it. And so he says, it's by grace through faith um, that it's made accessible to you. And the beautiful part about that is he says, yes, this is how it works. In your inheritance, it's secure. So once you're inheriting grace, once you're inheriting faith, it doesn't go anywhere. He says that in the last part of that passage uh, where he says it's an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I wish the important things in my life could be kept in heaven so they don't ever get ruined, right? That would be such a great thing because I don't don't ever have to wonder about um, the stock of heaven. I know it's secure. I'm confident in that. And so uh, it's kind of cool that this is how Peter lays out the conversation. He says, your inheritance Uh, into grace, into faith, into a relationship with God the Father, it's secure. It's not uh, not perishable. It's imperishable. It's not going to rot or decay. It can't be worn out over time. Uh, It's eternal. Once you have it, it's not going anywhere. He says undefiled. It's not going to be stained. Uh, This new life is pure. You can't do anything to mess it up because you didn't do anything to earn it in the first place, right? It's, It's inherited. And so once you have it, it's undefiled. You can't do anything to mess it up. And then he goes further and he says, with this living hope, this faith in Jesus, it's unfading. Man, that's the one I feel like maybe we have a hard time wrapping our head around because uh, everything else that we have on this earth or we know on this earth, uh, it's either gonna wither, it's either gonna uh, grow dim or it's gonna lose its beauty or its glory. It's really hard for us to find things um, at this point as in history that were, that were once precious, that were once beautiful, that are still beautiful at this point. In fact, most of those things have their beauty because they're what we call artifacts. And so the, the original beauty is not there, but what Peter's saying is, hey, it's unfading. Unlike everything else you guys are familiar with, this is not going anywhere. It will be just as beautiful the day that you get to experience it uh, fully in heaven with God as it was the day that you were granted it because of what Jesus did for you. And Another, another pastor that we love to kind of listen to at the orchard, uh, Wayne Grudem, here's what he said. He says, the inheritance is kept in heaven for you. 
The form of the verb kept, passive, uh, participle, indicates a completed past activity by God. God did this in the past with results that are still continuing to the present right now. So it's already been done, but you're still reaping the benefits from that. He says, God himself has stored up or reserved this inheritance in heaven for believers, and it continues to be there, still reserved for them. God is preserving this inheritance that you have been granted because of what he did for you, uh, because of what you couldn't do for yourself. And that is why we've got this living hope. And that is why this living hope is yes for you. And that is why uh, those of you who have already got this living hope, I wanna encourage you to push through. And those of you who don't, I wanna, I wanna let you know that there's a God that loves you and has made this living hope available to you. Peter keeps the conversation going though. And he jumps kind of down for what we would call verse five. And he says this, you're being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. And so that kind of leads us to that third question. Uh, how do we keep this hope in a world that doesn't understand us? How do we keep this world when we are exiles? How, how do we keep this hope in a world where we are exiles? How do I keep this hope when everyone else doesn't look like me and in fact everyone else doesn't want to look like me and in fact everyone else is starting to dislike people that do look like me? Last week we talked about being the minority and how that's uh, not, a, not a surprising thing but a reality, especially when we unpack the numbers and we start to see, uh, yeah, most of these numbers probably aren't even completely right anyway because not everybody who professes faith in Jesus uh, truly loves Jesus. And, and, and he used passage scripture um, last week to, to kind of talk about that. And so that third question, how do we keep hope in a world that doesn't understand us? In verse five, man, what we talk about our students and we talk about the hard things that they have to do when they fight culture and we talk to our adults and we say, man, it's going to be difficult for you to put less emphasis on your finances and your career than it is on Jesus. But the thing that we talk to them about and the thing that, the thing that I have to remind myself about is that this is a perspective shift, Right? In those moments where it's really difficult, I've got to take myself back to the cross. I've got to take myself back to the fact that this Jesus guy was real, he was God, he died for me, and those are all historical things that actually happened, so I don't have to wonder when I'm struggling um, with that question, when I'm struggling with how to hold on to that faith. How do I keep this faith? And we, we hold on to our living hope through faith. We hold on to our living hope because it's in God's powerful protection, right? It's guarded, uh, it says. It's guarded by God's power. And then uh, we also hold it because in a future victorious salvation, it's ready to be revealed, right? And so God's saying, hey, you can have confidence because I'm the one holding on to these things, this thing that's gonna be undefiled, imperishable, and unfading. That's why you can have confidence. That's how you can keep going when it seems hard and why, when culture looks completely different uh, from everything that I'm doing. And, and, and this is where we're going to kind of get to the longest part of this passage because we're going all the way through verse 12 today. Uh, and we're kind of about to dive into this fourth question. But I think uh, it's a really important part of the conversation because this is where it starts to get reflective on you and it starts to get reflective on me uh, a little more in, intentionally, a little more seriously, a little more uh, maybe passionately from Peter. And, and he keeps going and he says this. <clears throat> he says, you rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proving character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you haven't seen him, you love him, and though not seeing him now, you believe in him, uh, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. <clears throat> 
Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated, and they inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he would testify in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Wow, that hope, that hope that should be changing our life, that hope that that is precious, that hope that is uh, attained and and gifted to us because of what Jesus has done for us. Peter's saying this this hope that that you can have in the middle of all these trials, it's something so beautiful that the angels are just longing to catch a glimpse of the thing that's made that hope attainable. And so when we think about this in the sense of reality and not fairy tale and not maybes, man, there are creatures in heaven beyond our wildest imagination and they understand and appreciate uh, the salvation that Jesus has offered. And so if we can take that perspective, it'll help us answer this last question. This last question is this. Does this hope impact my life today? Does this hope impact the life that I'm living as I sit here in front of this TV screen, as I sit here in front of this phone, as I sit here in front of this computer, does this hope impact this life that I'm wearing right now while I've got skin? I understand there's a hope coming, AJ, and I understand I got something to look forward to, but does this hope impact the here and the now? The answer is yes. How we live in the present depends on what, what we know about the past in the future. And what we know about the past and the future is that Jesus said, here's what I've done and here's why it matters to you. And so as we, as we do this and as we do what Paul said and we, we run the race and we try to be, be passionately in pursuit of Jesus, the answer is yes, this hope impacts our life today because it gives us a different perspective on life in general. And more specifically, when you see what Peter says there, it gives us a different perspective on suffering, right? We said in there, various trials. And when I read various trials, you might've heard uh, martyr, you might've heard, I don't really have various trials. I don't really know what that means. But uh, when he says various trials, here's what I want, here's where I want us to take ourselves. Various trials uh, can be things like your finances, when you don't have them together, when you don't know where your next meal is going to come from, when savings accounts are a thing that you have long forgotten about because your paycheck is paycheck and everything's hard. Those are the kind of various trials that we're familiar with here in America. Various trials could be, my kids are acting out. I don't know if if I can hold on to them any longer. I I think I'm losing them to this world. I don't know how to be a good parent anymore. I don't know how to navigate this culture for them. Am I doing being too strict or am I being too loose? Those are various trials that you're going to face. Maybe it's your spouse. I don't know how to deal with this problem in my marriage. In fact, I've already uh, done the wrong thing in a different marriage, and, and, and I don't know how to navigate that. I don't, know, I don't know what that looks like for me going forward. That's a various trial. Our marriages can produce those various trials. Maybe it's where you live. Maybe it's the career that you want to have. I don't know uh, how this career is going to affect my finances. I don't know how this career is going to affect my job. I don't know how this career is going to affect my kids, my family, all those things. Those are various trials that we deal with here in America, right? We have brothers and sisters all over the world, yes, that when we say various trials, what they understand is my life's on the line uh, based on my next decision. But really and truly, if we're honest, uh, our various trials look a lot more like am I gonna pursue Jesus regardless of what it means for my current financial or family situation? 
Am I gonna give Jesus my attention when I could be giving my careers and maybe even my hobbies my attention? Those are the various trials that we face when he talks about suffering uh, in verses six and seven, if we're honest about our lives in America. And if we can let it affect those things in a positive way, those, that little list that I just threw out there, a way that we hold these things loosely uh, and our joy isn't determined by them, then Peter says it'll produce a character far beyond the value of anything in this world. If you can get your perspective shift there, if you can get your perspective shift uh, to one on living hope that Jesus has made accessible to you and away from the things that have temporary value and away from the things that produce those various trials in our life, then, then what's gonna happen is you're gonna handle those various trials better because your character's gonna improve, Peter said. It's gonna be the most valuable thing that you have on this life and it's gonna be directly impacted by the faith that you have in Jesus in this living hope. I love that. The practical and the spiritual meet uh, so often whenever we read God's word, whenever we read our Bible. And when we can do that, when we can, when we can put our perspective there, there's gonna be a constant joy beyond our wildest imagination. Uh, and here's where it comes from in those verses eight through 12, uh, that inexpressible joy in our hearts. It comes through loving him, even though we can't see him. Even though he's not here right now, it comes through loving him. Uh, even though uh, he's, not, he's not accessible uh, to us in the flesh at the moment, it comes through loving him because we believe in what has happened. We believe and we have faith in those things that he said are true. That joy comes when we trust him, even though we can't understand how he's working in us. That joy is going to be there. That character is going to be molded uh, when I can lean into the things that he said are true, regardless of the outcomes in my life. And that joy comes in knowing that what God is doing in us is so great that even the angels are filled with wonder as they contemplate God's work in our lives. That is incredible. And I know that's hard. I know that's hard because sometimes what's right in front of us hurts the most. What's happening in the moment uh, is a lot easier to put our attention on than the things that have already happened uh, that help us deal with that moment. It's hard to deal with. But if we can shift our perspective and we can remind ourselves that the fact that the world is broken should be the biggest reminder that it's not our home. I wanna say that again. The fact that the world is broken should be your biggest reality check, should be your biggest reminder that it's not designed to be your home anyway. And so hold these things loosely because this is not the plan. These places, these things around you are not the plan that God's got for you. He's got eternity in mind for you. And he's got eternity, eternity in mind for others, but it's gonna take us uh, with our feet and with our hands going and sharing and believing um, that that's true and loving a world that's far from him. And so your hope shouldn't be here uh, and it shouldn't be circumstantial. It should be in one constant thing, the thing, the person of Jesus. So I got one more thing for you today. I got this last takeaway as we kind of wrap up. The hope ahead of you is greater than the hurt around you. That's not an easy thing to believe, but if we can get there, if we can get our minds to the reality that the hope ahead of me is greater than the hurt that's all around me, it's gonna change everything. It's gonna help me lean into Jesus. It's gonna help me have a living hope that's not temporary, that's not uh, accidental, that's, that's not uh, with the ebb and flows of, of how life is going, but it's, it's constant. And it gives me a confidence that regardless of what I'm facing, um, I'm going to be with Jesus one day. I'm going to be with Jesus, and that's when everything's going to be right. Because this world is not designed to be my home. And the hope that's ahead of you, the hope that you're going to experience in the future, is far greater than the hurt that's all around you right now. If you never got to experience that hope, you never had a conversation with somebody, we've got someone who wants to have that conversation right now on our online platform and on Facebook. You're going to see a host. 
And if it's something you don't feel com uh, confident or comfortable talking about online, uh, we'll drop a link to a Get Connected card. You can fill that out virtually, digitally, and it'll kick over to me and I'll have that conversation with you. Maybe we can even set up a time to meet, go grab some coffee, grab some lunch, uh, or we can hop on a phone call or Zoom or, or whatever. Um, but I would love to have this conversation with you. Um, as it's stirring in your heart. I don't want this moment to get away from you. So do that with us today. If you wanna to talk to somebody right now, we've got somebody. If you wanna to talk to somebody later this week, I'll be available to do just that. But let me pray for you uh, before we get out of here today. Jesus, thank you for this living hope. Thank you that you have given us a confidence in, in not the circumstances of life, but in the expectations that we have because of what you've said you're going to do. And because of what you did, we know that you'll make good on your word because you're God and you love us with a love beyond our wildest imagination, a love that has led us to this place of having a living hope. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.